EcoHealth, your internet radio. Good afternoon and welcome here on Radio EcoHealth. And it's the road trip show here on Radio EcoHealth. And Diedrich is in the studio again. And we had our traditional fit cook today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's becoming an essential part of doing the show and it's a beautiful fit cook one of the places here in centurion makes i think the best fit cook in town so <laughs> yeah it's just, yeah just yummy <laughs> they are nice <laughs> they're beautiful but yeah hi afternoon guys we're still going to be doing a bit of the n1 i thought we might manage to make it all the way through to zimbabwe today but on while i was prepping for the show i realized it's just way too much happening on that highway we're not going to get to zimbabwe today it's just not going to happen and it's an interesting one we finished off last week in kronstadt kronstadt with the tsaro Salier monument that we spoke about yes, tsaro Salier, yes. the guy from blood river remember the the preacher stroke mystic guy who actually took the oath yeah yeah and it's an interesting interesting little tie-up because we ride in the middle of um sort of that almost that 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 Battle of Blood River thing because we're sitting on that anniversary of when Petra Tief had been killed negotiating for land in KZN. Dingan sent his army out to go and wipe out the rest of the trekkers. Yeah. And today is the eve of the anniversary of those fights when the Zulu army hit the Ratif party camp down around Escort. And uh, the, the foot trekkers had spread themselves out around the, the, where the current town of Escort is. And the, the Zulu Impis um, attacked them, and 525 of the foot trekkers were killed in those attacks. So the names of Blokrans and Viennan start, yeah. start reverberating today and tomorrow yes. of those attacks. And then, of course, those attacks comes Andres Pretorius down, they form the commando, and they go into the Battle of Blood River eventually in December. So 138 years ago, I think it is now. Um, Let me just work it out. Sorry, 184 years. 184 years ago, um, those foot trekkers were busy and listening and seeing the Zulus coming in onto their encampments. Yes. But anyway, so just an anniversary thing. But that's not on the N1, that's down on the N3. So we're preempting a bit of stuff here. <clears throat> but we left we left the the N one last time just outside of Kronstadt and we're heading now towards the Witwatersrand, uh sort of Johannesburg Pretoria complex. But as we're driving now, the first thing that you've got off on your left hand side is Freire Fort. And Freire Fort of course being the the Freire Fort Dome oh, yes, being famous yeah. for that Freire Fort Dome, massive geological um Impact crater. In fact, it's the largest verified impact crater on Earth. Is actually around the Fredefort, the Fredefort complex. Oh, I didn't they, know that. Yeah, it's the biggest one on Earth. It's bigger than the one that wiped out the dinosaurs. It's bigger than the ones in America. It's the biggest impact crater that they found. I'm not saying it is the biggest one. It's the biggest one that's been found. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, it's 160, 160 k's by 300 kilometers. So that was one God Almighty bang. Yeah. That um, <laughs> that hit there. And it's, it's just nice to drive around that area, the geology, the mountains. And if you know a little bit and you do a little bit of reading up on that Freire Fort impact and you drive around that area, you can actually see now the mountains and the valleys and the bent-up rocks and stuff in that area. But that's not really on the N1. That's sort of off, way off to your left-hand side. But 
One of the little hidden gems just off the N1 is a little town called Paris. Paris. Oh, yes. So if you're on the N1 and you head up, you go through the little town of Friedefort. Friedefort's a little bit deserted and a little bit broken at the moment. There, oh, yeah. there, there, there was or there is a dilapidated building there, which is supposed to be the Friedefort Dome Interpretation center, but I've been there twice, and both times the gates are locked and the place is standing empty. Oh, so I'm okay. not sure what's going to happen with that one. It would be nice to have a proper, you know, you know, proper spot there with like little dioramas and things. But maybe, maybe yeah. it's been resurrected in the last two or three years or so. I haven't been there for a little while. But just just off the off the side of the road before you get in there is a funny little memorial um, to a guy by the name of George Gatherer Philip. And not a, not a, not exactly a, a super famous guy, but he he was killed there by a by a lightning strike. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> ouch! <laughs> I mean, he was a he was a regional magistrate in 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 that area. But an interesting part about him is he he actually came out as part of the British forces during the Anglo-Boer War, and he stayed on. He decided that South Africa was was so cool and so nice okay. that he actually stayed on <laughs> afterwards. And that a lot of the stories are actually of those soldiers who decided that uh, sunny South Africa was better than a dismal Victorian England. Yeah, and they decided <laughs> to stay on in South Africa, and that, that, that's, that's kind of cool. But he died there in 1906. So there's a funny little monument just off the side of the road, and erected by his friends. But once you get into Paris, Paris is a is a surprising little town. It's becoming quite a hub, and it's becoming quite a cosmopolitan little place, almost like um, like Philippolis. We've mentioned Philippolis before, that yeah. little dusty Karoo town. Yes. And suddenly Paris has got this whole thing of little restaurants and street cafes and very nice little antique shops and sort of real bohemian kind of feel to the town. Yeah. And it's on weekends, it's super busy with people coming out of Johannesburg and Pretoria down okay. into, into Paris. And there's a couple of interesting little spots there as well. There's a, there's a little museum which um, displays the history of the town. It's called, obviously, the Paris Museum. Yeah. But it focuses on the development of Paris as a little holiday resort because it's right on, it's right on the Val River. Yes, yes. So the town's right on the – so that entire area obviously lends itself to all sorts of lodges and guest houses and things along the, along the Val River, mm-hmm. fishing spots, boating spots, etc. Yeah. So – so that's there. Another interesting one is the historic municipal building in the middle of town, um, designed by a guy by the name of Gordon Leith. Gordon Leith was an associate of Sir Herbert Baker. Sir Herbert Baker okay. being, of course, the famous architect who designed the union buildings. So oh, this awesome. Leith character got, got some of the best lessons, I think, or the best apprenticeship that you could from a guy like, uh, like yeah. Sir Herbert Baker. And... Um, it's just a beautiful building, and it's just really worth going to actually have a look at. <clears throat> There's obviously the normal war memorial that's in there for the fallen soldiers of Paris, World War Two, World War One, Korea, etc. And there is, of course, a 1938 Great Trek Centenary Memorial. So that's the one where the ox wagons on the 100th anniversary of the four yeah, trekkers yes, yes. trekked across the country, and they left their wagon tracks in cement. And uh, they had the little memorials, and hundreds of little towns have got that 1938 memorial yeah. commemoration <laughs> monument. But two interesting little spots that are a little bit out of town, just on the northern side of, of Paris, and, but it's on private land. It's, a, it's in one of those river resorts. And one of them is called the Opstan Monument. 
Monument. The Stand Up Monument. Okay. And again, that's in commemoration of the thousands of poor <coughs> women and young girls who endured the concentration camps during yeah. that Anglo-Boer South African War, War of Independence of 1899 to 1902. And Obstan means to rise up. And yeah. the, the statue again reminds me very much of the um, Carfoot Froh Monument there down by Harry Smith. That, that you've got that proud woman yes. in that real four-tracker dress standing yeah. up and you can just see that she's the strength behind the family and the strength in the culture. Yeah. And it's just it's a really moving little statue. But there's one right next next to it. And that's quite a funny one, or not a funny one, but it's a it's a name <laughs> that always makes me smile. Yeah. And it's the Penkop monument. The what? A Penkop. Penkop. A Penkop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, pencil head. And a pencil head. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. It translates to pencil head. <laughs> and that was sort of a term of, I don't know, endearment of, I don't know, almost mockery, a little bit of respect mixed in. I don't know how to, how, to, how to describe it, but that was for all the boy soldiers who fought okay. in, on the Boer side against the British again in that Anglo-Boer War. Because a lot of these guys and the, that war was characterized by you often wound up with three generations serving in one commando. Whoa. You'd yeah. have grandfather, father, and son. And son, yeah. And officially, son is too young to fight. And the name Pencorp, as far as I can make out, comes from the fact that they, they were normally wearing jackets and clothes that were way too big for them. Yeah. So you had this, this little scrawny head and neck sticking out of this big jacket. Yeah. And it made yeah. him look like a pencil head. <laughs> 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 and you've got this memorial to these young boy soldiers. And um, and it's not necessarily just the Anglo-Boer War. I mean, the boys, I think, in, in, in sort of the 1800s, especially on the, yeah. on the Great Trek, had to grow up very, very quickly. Yeah. And one of them, for example, is a guy named Dirk Ice. Oh, yes. Dirk Remember Dirk Ice, who yes. saved his father from the Zulus, or tried to save his father from the Zulus, yeah. After the Battle of Italeni in 1838, that was again one of those rollovers from Pitratif and Blood River, yeah. etc. It all that all played parts in that in, in in that period. And another famous guy was Yapi Hreiling. Oh yeah. And Yapi Hreiling was captured by the British. And even when he had been put up against a wall in front of a firing squad. He refused to give up the position of his father's commandos. Yeah. And the British officer was eventually so impressed with his bravery that he commuted the sentence and I think actually let him go. Oh, wow. He okay. was, just couldn't believe that this young kid was, was, showed that amount of courage. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Well, they let know, him go to follow him. To well, see maybe, maybe, that was, maybe that was what happened. But, I mean, Greilingstadt yeah. and the, the Yapi School, etc., all named yeah. after this guy. And that's the kind of impact that these, young, these youngsters, these penkopper, um, <laughs> actually had. So, Parais uh, is worth that little detour. And then, when, if, you, if you bend back now back onto the N1. It's almost not worth going onto the N1. 
if you've got a bit of time to spend, because then you go on your right-hand side, you've got the Funnabelle Park Vereniging Complex. Oh, yeah. Now, that's when you enter Funnabelle Park Vereniging from that side, it's a really dirty, dusty, industrial town. But built there on purpose because of the water supply from the Val River, it was easy for heavy industry yeah. to to develop there. That's why the old National Party government actually put them up there. Okay. But Vereniging, and I mean, Vereniging and Funnabelle Park are hardly places that you imagine are tourist hubs or that there's anything to see there. But Vereniging delivers a couple of really su- cool little surprises. You've got a heritage museum they call the Sylvia Vale Heritage Museum, which is full of vintage and antique cars, as well as steam engines. It's got a massive steam oh, engine collection. Wow, nice. Just cool. There's cool stuff. And for, there's, a, there's a little memorial there to an event that happened uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember the Hoerskool Driehoek. There was that uh, uh, pedestrian bridge that collapsed. Yeah, that rings and, a bell. And a couple of the four, four <laughs> of the learners were killed there or died. And there's a little memorial to them there. And, of course, Sharpville. We've touched on Sharpville on one of our previous podcasts when we were going across the struggle sites, Sharpville, of course, being that incident in March 1961 where yeah. protesters were shot at by the police and the eventual yeah. riots yeah. and things like that. So that's, I mean, you've got the police station memorial and the exhibition center all right there. Another really interesting one is a thing called the Torch Monument. The Torch Monument. The Torch Monument. Okay. And it again illustrates how deep this psyche of the Great Trek goes, because it's another one that dates back to 1938. So it was yeah. an event that was in conjunction with the 1938 Great Trek commemoration and all those ox wagons trundling all over the countryside. Yeah. And it commemorates the torch march, which came from the Cape and Natal all the way through to the Transvaal. And they then met in Vereniging. And Vereniging again holds a, a bit of a special place in, in history and in the hearts of the historians. And we can get onto that one in a bit when I, when I touch on Vereniging. But guys actually came with flaming torches and walked all the way from KZN and from all sorts of other places and congregated here and met up. And you're talking 10,000 people were present there. Wow! To actually see this event of these torches coming coming together, and, it, and, it, yeah. and there's a whole lot of things. I mean, the the um, the Foot Trekker Youth Organization was part of this whole thing, <laughs> and I mean, you look at you know, the, the, the the torch from Cape Town. It started it started from Table Mountain, and was brought right through by the Free State Provincial Secretary. Yeah. Just and eventually the torches, yeah, and eventually wow. the torches were taken through to Monument Hill, in in Pretoria. Yeah, and I, I need I need to check, but I, I have a sneaky suspicion that those torches might even be used to light the eternal flame in the Fortrick Monument. But here I speak under a lot of correction. Ah, okay, I haven't I haven't verified that one. But that must have been something to see. Eh? Yeah, but wow. ten thousand people 10, congregated to see these 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 fuckles coming, and one came from Cape Town. And one came from a little spot called Dinganstadt down in KZN. Yeah. And they walked all the <laughs> they way. They came through there, yeah, as far as I know. Gee whiz. Okay. <clears throat> You've also got 
a little bit further up the road, because Fanabel Park and Vereniging sort of are interchangeable. I mean, you could, you could, there's, there's almost no difference between the towns. Yeah. And in Vereniging, you've got the Vereniging Peace Monument. And it's something that a lot of people forget, is that that's actually where it commemorates the Treaty of Vereniging on the 31st of May 1902, which was the treaty that formally ended the Second Anglo-Boer War, Second uh, War of Freedom, Second South African War. Yeah. And there's a beautiful monument to that one there in in Vereniging. And again, you can know it's 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 a special one because it was designed um, by the sculptor Kurt Steinberg. His name keeps on popping up when, yeah, we, when we see yeah. some of these really special monuments. And it's a, it's again, it's a I never quite worked this one out, but uh, the treaty <laughs> was actually signed in Melrose House in Pretoria, but it's called the Treaty of Vereniging. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I can see why you can't work that one out so like a No, I think, I think it was that there where they, hostilities actually ended And then Melrose House was where the British High Command at their headquarters yeah. So that's where the thing actually got signed, eventually yeah. got, got panel beaten together <laughs> There's also a very interesting little historical train down by the railways And for the, for the train buffs here, we've got the South African Railways Class 6B number 500 Is permanently parked Okay. Um, <laughs> in in Vereniging. Whatever that means. Nah. <laughs> You've got a very good, very cool museum um, called the Technorama Museum. And it's a history of Vereniging and Seri Beng, the history of Sharpville, and about local leaders. And it used to be the F.W. de Klerk Presidential Museum. Oh, Okay. Remember, we got the P.W. Boerte one, like down in George and stuff like that. Yeah, so you, these yeah. presidential museums pop up every once in a while. The Nelson Mandela one in Umtata. Yes. So this this happened to be the one for F.W. de Klerk. Okay. And again, it's the photos of him and the gifts he received and that kind of stuff. There's also just cool stuff. There's old vintage locomotives. There's an old fire brigade, old ox wagons, okay. all, all in yeah. that museum. A decent World War II artillery display. But uh, last time we were there, it was looking a little bit sad. And it did need um, a little bit of TLC. Yeah. But in that <coughs> in that museum now, not not many people know where Funabel where Funabel Park got its name from. And yeah. that was a guy that named Dr. Hendrik van der Beyl. Okay. Now Hendrik van der Beyl is considered to be the mastermind behind the industrialization of South Africa and. Again, when, when prepping for this show, I thought, geez, we could actually use one of these guys, or if we could reincarnate him, we could really use him again. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he <laughs> died in 1948. And he, he was the driving force behind the establishment of the ESCOM in 1923. Ah. He established ISCOR in 1928. And if you think back on those two colossal organizations, they were the biggest and best in Africa at the time. Yeah, and now he will turn and around in his grave. He, I, don't think he'd I don't oh. think he'd recognize them. <clears throat> yeah. So the name of Van der Beel Park is named after Dr. Hendrik, Dr. Hendrik Van der Beel. And I mean, interesting, he studied at the university in Stellenbosch, he studied in Halle, he studied in Leipzig, he wound up with a PhD, he continued research Germany and the USA, so, I mean, really, I mean, a world citizen guy. Yeah. And um, even during World War II, he was responsible for turning the industries into a war machine to help the Allied war effort. Yeah. 
So this guy, like I said, um, we can definitely use use one of him again in South Africa. Maybe oh, he'd yeah, be able to resurrect sure. ESCOM and yeah. and um, dry the coal. So we don't have wet coal going into our generators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I've always got to giggle when I hear that excuse. Yeah, and they, they, <laughs> then the, you see hundreds of trucks with coal going to Zambia. Why is it going there? Yeah. <laughs> we need it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, we run yeah, half our stuff on diesel, apparently, and coal. And, yeah. Uh, so, but, but, like I was saying to you earlier, yeah. I've gone solar on my house. It's a different story. Yeah. It's a whole story all on its own. But uh, I think solar <laughs> industries and is a definitely an industry to get into at the moment in South yeah. Africa. ESCOM's also saying they want another 22% increase or something next year or next month or something. Yeah, they keep pushing up the, the, the rates uh, and we're still getting less power. Yeah, so, I think it's the only organization yeah. that, that says, please use us, please use us. We're more expensive, but then please don't use our, please don't use our product. Yeah. <laughs> or use but, it sparingly. <laughs> But anyway, when you when you come out of that, you you for, for all intents and purposes, you're ready to, almost in in Johannesburg. Yeah. As you're heading up that highway, it's all built up, and there's townships and developments all over the place. But we're going to leave. We're not going to go into Johannesburg and Pretoria. But the M yeah. the N one sort of now goes around the western side of Johannesburg, and you start hitting the outskirts of Lanasia and Soweto. Yeah. Near Soweto, you cross the N seventeen. The N17 is there, the one that, that goes all the way through to Swaziland. Yes. You bend around the northern side of Johannesburg. You hit out through through sort of Randburg area. Then you get across to uh, Woodmead. Yes. Woodmead, you meet the N3. Yes. The N3 being the one that goes all goes the way down to Durban. Durban. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. go up north mm-hmm. and you, you sort of skirt Pretoria on the eastern side out of the ones you've gone through Centurion. You cross the N4, the one that goes down to yeah. Kamati Port and stretches out down the southern side of Kruger. And then you're more or less out of those out of those business areas. And you're now north of Pretoria. You've crossed that last range of mountains. You can see the Mahalisburg off down on your left-hand side. Yeah. So just as you're going past that Zambezi Road turn-off. Yes. And again, the Mahalisburg is an interesting geological feature. And the best way you can explain it is if you look at the Michalisburg, the southern side, the bit that faces Johannesburg is steep cliffs. Yeah. And the northern side is the, is the slope down. And that slope down now goes onto this big, long, flat area that you're hitting north of Pretoria. Now, as you're sort of going out through Valmansdal, Pinas River, if yeah. you've ever traveled that road, it's long, flat, straight. And... The best explanation of that is that the Mahalisburg is actually the edge of what used to be a massive volcanic um, extrusion. It wasn't an explosion, okay. but it was like magma coming up and forming like a massive blister, if that makes oh, sense. So you, yeah, this, this, you had yeah. this huge blister forming, That's and eventually the top starts cooling <clears throat> down, and the, the lid or the top layer of this blister gets so big and heavy... Yeah. That it collapsed in on itself. Okay. So the Mahalisburg, or what you're seeing in the Mahalisburg, is like the edge of a blister. If you pop a blister and take the skin off it, yeah. you've got the little rough edge around the outside. Yeah. That's what you're seeing in the Mahalisburg. Ah. And that collapsed yes. in piece is now what you're driving over, and that's now called the Springbok Flats. Ah, okay. And that's <laughs> awesome. why it's so flat, because when liquid settles, it goes flat. Yeah. So you've got this beautiful, fertile area that you're going into, and you see it once you've left Haman's Kral area. 
the farms and the fertile the fertile land there. Yeah. I mean, it's just covered. It's covered wall to wall with irrigation and the most beautiful farmlands and all the products that come out of there. Yeah. You've got the fruit trees. You've got the old Zebedelia fruit farm that's unfortunately now derelict because it um, was handed over in some kind of BEE system and just, just yeah. allowed to go to wreck and ruin. But, I mean, you've got subtropical yeah. fruit. You've got tobacco. You've got <coughs> maize. You've got all sorts of stuff. As you as you go through that area, in the first little town, again we've got to divert a little bit off off the N1 because um, the little towns are all on the old R101 and yes. not the N1. The N1 is now that main highway. Yeah, Unfortunately, highway, that's yeah. a characteristic of South Africa. The the national roads bypassed all these little towns. Yeah, I love going the old route. I love those old routes, and I love going into the little towns. And, in fact, a bit of the resurrection of these little old towns was a lot of the inspiration behind making Road Trip. Yeah. To actually get yeah. people to get off the Arsaps disease highway <laughs> and actually explore a couple of these little towns and just help those little businesses and little cafes and built yeah. on shops and Omar something, something is fit cook, palacey thing or whatever it is in those towns <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Give, give them some of the income. But the first one you get to is Bella Bella. Bella Bella, old name being Warm Baths. Yes. And in town there, there's um, an old cemetery. And you've got... It's, a, it's generally regarded as the Fortrecker Cemetery. But the first one you've got there is the grave of the guy by the name of Karl Sebastian van Heerden. Okay. And he was the original owner of the farm that was called Hetbat, the bath. <laughs> and that, that's where the, the present town was established. And obviously <laughs> the bath being a reference to the hot water springs yeah. that are all over that area. It's and almost, it's interesting, again, because we're chatting about volcanic yeah. and volcanoes and eruptions and this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's exactly where that hot water comes from. It's hot water bubbling up through hot rock underground. Ah. Okay. That's where those hot water springs come from. There's no elements, and ESCOM doesn't work 100 feet underground there. Yeah. So those are all natural <laughs> springs with hot water that come up. Yeah. And Van Heeren was actually one of the foot trekkers that uh, set, originally settled in the Transvaal after the, after the Great Trek. One of the agreements that the government of the Transvaal, the then Transvaal, made with the foot trekkers that uh, they could get, uh, each one could take two farms. And I think, and I think a, farm, a farm was considered the area that you could cover by riding a horse in one day. So you'd go one direction, turn, uh, another direction, another direction, another direction. That was now your farm because that was now how far, how far you could cover on a horse ride in one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. But that's, you know, in effect, you're coming into, into um, un- unoccupied land at that stage. A lot of it was just unoccupied yeah. land. So and he obviously found the farm there with these hot water springs. That's why he called it Headbutt, the bath. Headbutt. Headbutt from the old Dutch. At that stage, the spoken language had not yet quite evolved into yeah. into Afrikaans. We went into that, and sort of Afrikaans only sort of really transmogrified, right? Sort of to in late late eighteen hundreds, and we're yeah. now talking eighteen thirty eight, eighteen forty, somewhere around there when the footchecks yeah. settled in this area, and. The name Bella Bella um, actually comes from the local language. It actually means hot, hot. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, hot, reference hot. to the hot water. So you now know you don't go to warm bars or vanam bath. You now go to hot hot. Yeah, that's so stupid. But anyway, <laughs> who am I to say they name these places stupid? Yeah, or, no, or name them in the first place. Why? Yeah, Why? I don't know. But again, in in that little in that cemetery in the middle of town. You've also got a, the grave of Andries Hendrik Potgieter, grandson of General Andries Potgieter, the ah, famous uh, yes. Fortrecker leader. So the grandson is there, and who's the son of Commandant General Piet Potgieter. Okay. Now, Piet Potgieter, again, there's a lot of Potgieters in the story. So we mustn't, <laughs> yeah. we, must, we mustn't get too confused about which Potgieters does, is what way. Yeah. But Commandant General Piet Potgieter was the, the, the commanding officer at the siege of Makapans Hut. Okay. Makapans Ghat. again. <laughs> if that, you do that, a direct translation, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. No, fun. that that hut is a hole, referring to a cave. Yeah. Okay, let's keep it. Let's keep it nice. Let's keep it nice. Let's yeah. keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> but Makapans Ghat played, believe it or not, actually has a ties to a lot of South African history and the makings <laughs> of reputations and things in South Africa, and we'll touch we'll touch on those ones as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this 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 the Andries Andries Potgieter, the youngster, died. Died. He was 13 years old when he when he died there. You've also got a, a grave there of Christina Pretorius, and that's General Andries Pretorius's wife who was buried there. Yeah. And again, all these little ties that run through this history. She was the mother of the first president of the Zuid Afrikaanse Republiek. Ah. So she was the mother of Martinez Vessel Pretorius. Ah. Okay. Also, originally one yeah. of the foot trackers. So you hit a lot of the in, in the little towns when you're starting to travel this area right up through into Mpumalanga. A lot of the graves and cemeteries are the original foot trackers and the original European um, pioneers yeah. Yeah. who came into these towns. And it's again, you know, I, I look, I stand and look at some of these these little cemeteries, and you see the. The graves of little kids, two, three, four, five, six, ten, eleven, fifteen years old, yeah. and you think, wow! You look at the date, and they've spent they spent the last four years of their life in an ox wagon, yeah. trekking through, and now suddenly they come to a little town and they die of malaria or of um, sleeping sickness or something. Yeah, and you've got to admire. You just have to admire what they went through and the fortitude of of getting to these to these places. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think let's go listen to a piece of music, then we'll continue. Cool. Okay, and we are back here on the Road Trip Show, right here on Radio Eco Health, and we are continuing on the N1. Okay. Yeah, we're still in, we're still in hot, hot. Hot, hot, yes. <laughs> still in hot, hot. 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 <laughs> um, and one that we haven't hit, we haven't hit often yet is a, is a, moth, a moth memorial stroke monument. Memorable Order of Tin Hats, oh, which was a veterans' okay. organisation started after World War One, and uh, to, obviously just to remember, com- to remember comrades, etc. Oh. And it's it's been a it's it's been an organisation that has continued through the years for for military veterans. 
and it's a it's a very big charity organization and it helps those guys who you know the pensioners that are that are in need yeah, yeah. so it's a very worthwhile one but we haven't seen a lot of moth monuments around and also just on one of the intersections is one of the better better preserved anglo boer wall block houses so not only were the block houses right down in the cape they even stretch yeah. up through these little towns as well um, the, your next, your next little spot up there on the R one hundred and one. The N one is actually a little bit boring, so we've got to do the R, the, yeah. the, the one hundred and one at this stage. We <laughs> yeah. get through to Nailstrom. Nailstrom now called Modimole. Yeah. What? Nailstrom. Rumor and legend has it is that when the foot trekkers arrived there, they actually found the Nail River or a river, and because it was going north, flowing in a north northerly direction, they thought they'd reached the source of the Nile. Oh. Now, this is unverified. It's apparently yeah. this is the story. And when you come out, when you are just on the outskirts of, of Nailstrom, there is a mountain that looks very much like a pyramid. Oh, yeah. So the two of those kind of tied together. And I don't know if this is old wives' tales or not, but yeah. that apparently is where the name Nailstrom comes from. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting one, that one. But in, in Morimoli... Or in Nailstrom, again, it's one of these little foot-tricker towns. You've got a monument to J.G. Stradom. Oh, yes. Now, J.G. Stradom, also sometimes called Hans Stradom, was the fifth prime minister of South Africa from 1954 to 1958. He was born and raised in the Cape Colony, trained as a lawyer at the University of Stellenbosch, well, at that stage still called the Victoria College. Okay. Continued with his law study at the University of Pretoria. He served as a medical orderly in German Southwest Africa or Namibia during World War I. South African forces took on the Germans in what was then German Southwest Africa. Oh, yeah. And in the early 1920s, he opened a law practice here in what was then Nailstrom. 1929, he becomes a member of parliament of the Waterberg district. And... They, he first then um, established the United Parties with uh, Dr. D.F. Malan and Generals Herzog and Smuts. Oh, okay. And eventually that transmogrifies, he becomes leader of the National Party, becomes a minister, and then he, see, he succeeds Malan as leader of the National Party and then eventually Prime Minister in 1954. So interesting character that, that comes out of, of that little town. And yet again, this little town has got a concentration camp cemetery. Oh. So those concentration camps, we've touched on them, I don't know how many podcasts. Yeah. But these little mem- memories of that Anglo-Boer War and that rather unfortunate period are all over the place. Yeah. But there's an interesting memorial at, at that cemetery because the monument's unique because it includes the state coat of arms of both former Boer republics. Hey? And that's <laughs> of the Free State and the Transvaal. Oh, And okay. those, you don't have that on any other of these type of memorials anywhere in South Africa. Yeah. Just an interesting little piece of memorable, I don't know, little, little factoid. <laughs> <laughs> And um, there's also, again, from the, the, the Great Trek Centenary, messages and stuff are there in, in, that, in that concentration camp and on that memorial as well. And then we have another character, General Christian Bayers. Oh, yeah. 
Now, that again is an interesting part of South African history because General Bayer's made his name during the Anglo-Boer, very, very famous Anglo-Boer war general. Yeah. And he also served as the first commandant general of the citizen force of the Union Defense Force. So after Anglo-Boer War, Treaty of Renegade, 1902, 1910, South Africa, the four previous two republics and two colonies unite to form yeah. the Union of South Africa in 1910. So that's where the Union of South Africa comes from. Okay. So here we've got Anglo-Boer War General, who's now in charge of the military forces of the Union. But comes 1914... South Africa decides to fight in the First World War on the side of the Allies. Yeah. And this is really, really fresh in the memory of the Anglo-Boer War guys. Yeah. Okay. And there was a massive resistance movement against South Africa fighting on the side of Great Britain. Yeah. And there was a lot of people who thought they should actually be fighting on the side of Germany. Yeah. Not out of any, I think, ideology, but yeah. purely because of the hatred of the English. Yes. I think that that was the more the driving force <laughs> yeah. than, than sort of admiration for Germany. I think the admiration for the German mindset obviously plays a role. Yeah. The Afrikaner is, after all, more of a Germanic-type person than an English person coming from yes. Dutch, German, French roots. Yeah. But that actually wound up in a full-blown rebellion against the South African government. Hmm. And... He was one of the, the leaders of this rebellion against the Boerter-led government in the British Empire. And he died while trying to flee, capture, he drowned in the Vaal River. Oh. And it's suspected that he died of a heart attack while trying to swim across the river. So a rather yeah. sad ending for a really, really brilliant general. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And uh, he, was, he was a hell of a guy. And, in, and you can imagine, here you've got this Anglo-Boer War general who then enters politics. He becomes Commandant General of the Union Forces. But at the time of the Transvaals, when he was a... The, the, when the Transvaal as a self-responsible government, sort of as a colony after the war, yeah. he was Speaker of the Lower House. Okay. And even the yeah. British complimented him on his impartiality. He could put these bygones and let bygones be bygones. Yeah. And he was admired worldwide for that. But then somehow that movement over to fighting for the British, he just couldn't, yeah, couldn't that, quite yeah. stomach. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, there's another moth memorial here in, um, in Molimoli. And another another good one is uh, the Dutch Reformed Church. You've always got these beautiful churches yes, yes. in the middle of town. And this is the Muda, Muda Kerk or Mother Church for the entire area of, of Nailstrom in Limpopo. And it goes back, this congregation goes right back to um, 1860. Yeah. Cornerstone, General Piet Joubert actually laid the cornerstone when he was Commandant General of the, of the ZIR. And... It's an interesting one because it's got the largest pipe organ north of Pretoria. So, <laughs> oh, okay, nice. <laughs> so, an impressive church. If the doors are open yeah. again, it's one of those spots that's worth actually just popping into to go and have a look at. Yeah.
You've also got the original house of South Africa's Prime Minister, J.G. Stradorm, who was the, who was the lawyer guy. And you can still visit... Well, it, it, it was. At the moment, it's closed. But it used to be a little museum, hopefully, that um, gets gets opened again. Yeah. yeah. Then your next little town, and I, I, I must admit, I do struggle with these new names. I've always got... I can never remember the order in which they are. <laughs> yeah. You got a spot called Nabuomspreit, now called Mukhopong. Mukhopong, yeah. And yeah, again, the focus, the focus here is on on um, JG Stradom. In the in the JG Stradom High School, so you might struggle to get it to get to have a look at it. But yeah, guys, a lawyer, lawyer in the in the National Party becomes leader, becomes president, minister of agriculture, education. He's a cattle farmer. So, just. Yeah, one of these one of these towering intellects, one of these towering guys yeah. out of our history. Then Nabum Sprite doesn't have a lot lot else to offer, unfortunately. But then we get up to Potchitas Rus. Yes, and Potchitas Rus now called Mokopani, or otherwise known as Potis. It used to be <laughs> called Pit Potchitas Rus. Yeah, they yeah. shortened Pit Potchitas Rus to Potchitas Rus. Yes. And we'll get into into our Mr. Pete Portita <coughs> presently, but one of the nice ones there is the Arden Dipperink Museum, and shows a lot about the tobacco industry. Something that people don't really realise there's an awful lot of tobacco produced in South Africa. Yeah, and a lot of it's centred here and especially on the Springbok Flats because of the fertility of that yeah. soil. But yeah, we've also got Pete Portita, and Pete Portita's grave is there, and he was also commandant of the Transvaal forces. And that we now sitting in the in eighteen the eighteen fifties and this particular incident was eighteen fifty four and we're talking about Makapan's hut. Now Makapan's yes. hut means Makapan's cave. Yeah. Before you start thinking otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you know me and too well. <laughs> the Transvaal forces at that stage and again we're looking eighteen fifty four. Now we we in, in that period before the first Anglo Boer War. We'd had the Sand River Convention. Remember the Sand River Convention that we passed on the yes, highway just yeah. north of Bloemfontein there? Sand River Convention. Britain had promised the independence of the republics, etc., etc. Yes. But one of the lead-ups to the first Anglo-Boer War was this constant instability and the warring with these tribes on the borders and the tribes that hadn't had decided that they don't want to be ruled by these foot trekkers. Yeah. Yeah. And this particular incident was one of them that sort of stuck out in history as and eventually could almost be said to be one of the causal factors of the eventual British invasion a couple of years later for that first Anglo-Boer War. Yeah. And it's called the, the Battle of Makapanschat in 1854. Okay. And the Transvaal Boers had besieged <coughs> two um, local chiefs, Kakana and Langa, and they were in this cave. They'd hold up inside this cave, and the, and the Boers had decided to try and besiege these guys. Now, Potgite, yeah, you got the commandant of the Transvaal forces yes. decides to to be like a, I don't know, kind of hero. So what does he do? Is he climbs up some rocks to get a position up high and try and prevent anybody leaving the cave. Yeah. But for his troubles, he winds up getting himself shot. Oh. Love. And then we have the the rise of one of the towering names in South Africa, a guy by the name of Paul Kruger. 
Oh, yes. Paul Kruger was one of the soldiers. Yeah. And Paul Kruger bravely went under fire and retrieved the body of Pete Potkita. Yeah. And that was the start of almost the start of Paul Kruger's rise in stature and rise in fame that eventually led to him being the the state president at the time of the Second Anglo-Boer War. So this little incident in this little cave out here in this part of the world played a massive role later on in the history of South Africa because of the actions of this one guy. Yeah. And uh, Potkita is... um, Buried in there. And you've also got another interesting one called the Pioneer Monument or Pioneer Cemetery. And also called the Fever Monument. Oh, okay. And Fever, <coughs> Fever at that time. Again, we're talking 18, late 1800s. And Fever, yeah. the causes of Fever were not known. And whether Fever was malaria or whether it was sleeping sickness or something else, again, was not known. It was just called Fever. Yeah. And the fact that we've got a fever monument and the fact that uh, one of our acacias is called a fever tree. Those beautiful (laughs) yellow acacias are called fever trees. And the name malaria comes from malaria, means bad air. Yeah. And the thought was with the fever trees that they knew that if you camped under fever trees, you'd have a very good chance of getting malaria. Yeah. And the thought was that you... The air from those trees was giving you the disease, hence the name fever tree. And the trees were yellow, and when you had malaria on those fevers, you turned yellow. Yeah. So that's where the name fever tree comes from. <laughs> that's so interesting, <laughs> that one. And, not, and that, they obviously hadn't realized the link yet between mosquitoes and malaria, yeah, and yeah. between setsy flies and sleeping sickness or Nagana, etc. You know, that kind of stuff. That hadn't, that hadn't been worked out yet. <laughs> yeah. But malaria was a scourge in, in, in that area. And it's said that about 1870, 81 of 90 citizens were ill or dead due to fever. Oh, wow. When, when, the, when, the, when the Transvaal actually sent a commando into this little area to go and evaluate what, what was actually going on there. Going on, yeah. So that gives you, I mean, eight, that, that's an 80%, 85% infection rate yeah. of the population. I mean, that, that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And... Um, so the Transvaal Volksraad actually sent medicine up there, or what they thought was the correct medicine, and the commando actually picked up everybody there and moved them out into a little town called Marabastat, which was slightly higher lying, and, and altitude obviously plays a big part of where these diseases are distributed because the insects yeah. can't live at those kind of um, of altitudes. Yes. And the, this particular cemetery, this pioneer monument and cemetery with the fever monument, is actually the graves of all those people there who died of malaria and fever yeah. during that period. But then as you come out of Port Gitesris or out of, out of um, Mokopani, there's an interesting little spot on the left-hand side. It's, a, it's called the Mokopani Biodiversity Conservation Center, established in 1979. And it's a satellite station of the National Zoological Gardens of Pretoria. Okay. And it's their, for want of a better term, it's their endangered species breeding program. Ah, so okay. it's this massive breeding farm. So it's a kind of a zoo, but it's a huge zoo. It's a 1,300 hectares yeah. of, of camps and places where they actually breed up the endangered species. Yeah. When you get back now onto the N1 
your next major town is going to be Polokwane. But before we get there, you're coming out of Mokopani, it's still flat area, and you've got the mountains in front of you. And there's a very poignant monument just on the side of the highway there. And it's called the White Cross Monument, or the Witkreis Monument. Oh, yeah, we've mentioned that. And it's a, it's a very sobering one, and now we, we're treading on the borderline of, of politics and, yeah. and relatively <laughs> sensitive or inflammatory kind, kind, of, kind of happenings. Yeah. And there's two schools of thought on this, in that the, the rate of farm murders in South Africa by a lot of people is considered almost to be a type of mini-genocide. Yeah against the white farmers and on the other side are people saying that the death rate on farmers is no different to death rate for example in townships or in the lesser developed or poorer areas in cities etc etc in south africa yes now neither of those in my book are acceptable yeah yeah you know so you know there's no such thing in my book as a normal murder rate yeah, you know the, the the normal murder rate should be zero per thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the concept of a normal murder rate is what I see thrown yeah. around in some of these discussions. You just go, no, where, what, what is your thinking here? But it is literally hundreds of small white crosses planted on this hillside next to the highway. Yes, and each cross represents one victim of what have been classified as farm murders. Yeah. And it's it's indiscriminate. When the farm when these farm murders happen, it's it's mother, father, children, babies. Yeah. The family basically gets wiped out by these invaders, robbers, criminals. Yeah. I don't know what you what what name you want to give these these in inverted commas people because I don't think they are proper people. Yeah. And it is becoming a very, very sensitive and a very, very volatile topic. Yes. But we did mention the other day that we had this one character, the guy who did the first aeroplane in South Africa, was also killed in a farm murder in 1950-something. Yeah. So it's not, I don't think it's, a, it's, it's such a new, it's a new issue. Yes, yes. But this, this particular monument is, is, two, is in two parts. There's a very, very beautiful granite cross closest to the highway which is looks like a proper memorial that you would find in a cemetery yes and then behind it is this mass of white crosses and regularly regularly every couple of months there's another gathering that goes to this monument plants another hundred crosses or so yes and it's just such a horrible reminder yeah of what is happening in in south africa in those rural areas and I don't know, I, I must admit, my, my view is that it's not a normal rate. I think the rate of killings across our farming community is way higher than in the cities. Yes. And uh, if you see definitely. some of the footage that comes out of it where these guys have got backpacks, they've got cell phone jammers, they've got all this kind of stuff on yeah, these. That, while that's not doing, normal. While they're doing these invasions. And the way the people's being killed. And the well. way the people are being killed and tortured on these farms. I, I tend to go with the fact that there's some... 
there's there's something more behind this yeah. than just robbery or just I want to steal your car or I want to steal your money yeah. out of the safe kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so just it's as you're getting up up into Polokwane, Petersburg in those mountains, you've got that massive monument on the right hand side, Witkreis Monument or the White Cross Monument, and it kicked off in uh, in 2020 already. But yeah, so that's not a that, that's sort of where we're ending, ending today because we're now hitting Polokwane and we'll hit the last road through the Baobab country. Once you get through Polokwane, you're heading up now to the border of of Zim. Yeah. And you're heading up sort of through Louis Trichat and right up through to Bike Bridge. So there's lots, lots to talk about in that area as well. Yes. So, guys, yeah, all of these spots are on the Road Trip app. All of these little places are there. You want to visit them, find out more about these characters, more about these people. All of these spots are marked on the on the app in various colors. There's green spots and yellow spots and blue spots and purple spots, depending <laughs> on what, 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 what it is, a place to see or a thing to do or a religious point yeah. of interest or a museum or whatever. Whatever so, tickles your fancy. Whatever tickles your fancy. And then, of course, we've got the podcast. Please share the podcast. Get your buddies onto, onto a podcast platform and tell them about Road Trip. And it's an interesting one. We were discussing it a little, little bit before the, the meeting. If I go onto the podcast yeah. downloads, overall, worldwide, South Africa is leading um, in podcast downloads. 39% of our downloads are from South Africa. But if I go just on the last 10 episodes, I think we're on episode 26 now or something. 27, I or, think. Or whatever it is. Yeah. And if I go on to the last five episodes, America's overtaken us. America, the, U- the United States is 37% of the downloads of the last five episodes of the U.S. Yeah. And it's interesting because that ties in with that article <clears throat> that the U.S. is now becoming the main source of tourism or tourists yeah. to South Africa. To South Africa, yeah. And it's overtaken Europe. And Europe was traditionally yeah. Germany, Netherlands, and the UK. Yes. Maybe it's to do with the restrictions that are still in place or the flights. I don't know. But the USA is becoming one of our major sources of, of, of tourism to South Africa. And that's cool. Guys, come no, visit. That's awesome. We're an awesome country. <laughs> and we can teach you to bry, not barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Proper bry. <laughs> Proper bry. <laughs> awesome, Diedrich. Thanks once again. Awesome, and here we'll see you again next week. Awesome, here we go. Let's play some out with some uh, like a country rock. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah.